Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the next episode of The Backstory on Marketing. If you haven't already done so, please visit ProRelevant.com and sign up for all of these episodes and podcasts. I am the author of the newly released book, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, Prepare Your Team to Win. And you can find out more information on this at marketingmachine.prorelevant.com. No media plan and no media strategy can be complete without including the media buying function. Well, that's what we're talking about today. Whether you're a small or large marketer, buying media effectively can make the big difference in the success or failure of your marketing. Today, I'm interviewing Mary Ann Pruitt of Mosaic Media. So let me tell you a little bit about Mary Ann. So uh, Marianne is the CEO and president of Mosaic Media, and, uh, which is a collection of media buying experts and creative strategists who negotiate, purchase, and monitor advertising space and airtime. She's here today to share some marketing wisdom gleaned from her extensive career in media strategy and how it relates to the ever-evolving climate of media and there's no question that the, uh, the, the media climate is evolving and certainly with cookies and, the, and what's going to happen here in the short future. So Marianne, welcome. So good to have you. Thanks, Guy, for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. So good to have you. And thank you for being here. So uh, tell us, uh, what is your backstory in marketing? How did you get it, uh, started in marketing? I always love marketing stories because all of us are usually accidental marketers, but we then find the love of marketing, right? So I actually started in graphic design very early, very young in the age before it was digital, where you actually had to design things and sketch things and then scan it in and make it digital. Uh, so those those were the era, the era in which I grew up, but I really found myself uh, falling in love with marketing and going down that path. Uh, when in college and seeing marketing and then double majoring with economics and marketing together, which made me fall in love with data and numbers and the stories that numbers can tell us and the creativity that comes out of numbers. And that's where I landed in media, um, you know, kind of accidentally and fell in love with media. Media is one of those where I can cre be creative as well as see the data, the data telling us the story uh, and where that where that can take us in our planning. So it is media is a love and I absolutely am so thankful and grateful for the career I've been able to have in it. Yeah, fascinating how you, you talk about, you know, the pre-digital age. I don't want to go back on how old I am, but uh, I used to be working as a consultant with an international uh, consulting company. And one of the things we had to do was uh, generate more or less PowerPoints, although they were transparencies back then. Yes. And, and we had to do that by hand. And then wow. we had a whole graphic arts department that would, you know, take our thoughts and turn them into slides and then we would, uh, you know, copy and paste and cut and paste. And it was it was incredible how hard it was. I think through the difficulty of it, and it's it's crazy to me where we are now. Um, and that's also why I get in today's world, you know, talking about things like let's not be scared about the new tools we have. Let's be excited about them, because when we saw an evolution in things, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that, you know, when things were starting to change in, it, with the Internet and various things that you know, that was an evolution that was taking place that scared people too. But now we're in that place again, where we're seeing this evolution taking place more rapidly. 
but we shouldn't be scared. It's not it, embrace it. The you're still going to provide value for people. You're still going to provide value of you as an individual to brands and to companies. Uh, but yeah, it's it's seeing the difficulty that we used to have. And, you know, how that's evolved. And now you don't even think about it. You don't even think about what it used to be like to today. You know, and that's, uh, that is so true. I, you know, I can't imagine working without a laptop or a phone or, oh, exactly. iPad or, or whatever. Well, remember and, uh, when we first got uh, email, like, <laughs> I, remember thinking, I remember getting in our, you know, my first inner office email going, I'm just going to walk down the hall and say something. I'm not going to send an email. Right. So that's, you know, that's the world. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. we can't live without it. So now, now it's on our phone constantly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now we have our mini computers in our hands. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's, uh, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what the next couple of years are with chat GPT and, and how that's going to affect things. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just, yeah. a tool. I, I often like to say, you know, we've worked in the AI space for a while. Um, and I like to say that chat GPT is what, you know, the World Wide web was to everybody in the nineties, right? The internet had been around since the fifties and sixties, but the World Wide web brought it to everyone. The same thing. AI has been around for a while. Just chat GPT has brought it to all consumers and it's, it's, you know, it, it's nothing to be scared of. It's just a tool that we need to figure out how to use. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so uh, th there's a lot of people that may not be familiar with exactly what and how and where and why media buying. So can you give us the uh, media buying 101 for us? Yes, absolutely. So media buying is anything that's in a paid space, whether that's your social, whether that's uh, in your traditional platforms, TV, radio, print, um, outdoor, uh, whether that's in digital and display, Google, your pay-per-clicks, your SEO, um, or in programmatic. And in programmatic is now the targeting tool that a lot of us like to talk about. Um, uh, individuals really oftentimes start to talk about programmatic more in its tactics, uh, OTT, connected TV, display, pre-roll, things like that. But the overall umbrella is programmatic targeting. So those are the things that everybody, that's that's what paid media is. That is what your media buying is. If you're paying money for anything in a media space, you're doing media buying. So it's a matter of how are you reaching your target audience? How are you reaching it for today's audiences? Because today's audiences have evolved and changed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's funny too, uh, and it has evolved so much. I mean, digital came along and, and almost sideswiped uh, traditional media, yet traditional media isn't dead. And, and we've yeah. certainly seen that with our clients, uh, that even print and uh, some of these things that you would, you would never even think about if you kind of grew up in the digital space, and yet the ROI and the effectiveness is there. So tell us how to use uh, digital and uh, traditional media together. So the strength and the real mindset is to think about each tactic and its strengths and where they are. So what I love about what you say is the post-COVID world, because we really are in a post-COVID world. Um, our media habits changed drastically during COVID and consumer-wise. So for the first time in American history, we have, and globally, we have five working generations with a sixth on its way. That's unheard of. That's something that we have never dealt with as marketers. We don't know how to do this, but the 80 year old is still working. Uh, but you still, you have the teenager that's also working. So how are we, how are we broadening this? So with that, so if I look at the, uh, the post COVID world of media and media consumption, COVID changed our habits. And why did it change our habits? Anytime we see something drastic take place, 
um, in our in our lives or anything. If you look at 9-11, that changed our media consumption. We Our morning news went through the roof. Why? We wanted to know that the world we went to bed to is the world that we're waking up to. Well, COVID took place of what was supposed to be two weeks, right? Normally, we go back to an old habit or an old behavior because it didn't last long enough. Well, COVID lasted a long time. Our, our instinct as humans is to overconsume when there's a panic. We overconsume information. We overconsume anything we can to survive. And so we went from, we were already at high levels of media consumption to extremely high levels of media consumption. But because COVID took place for so long, they became habits. They didn't come back down. So what did we see? We saw older generations jump onto social media in a platform and in a way that would have taken 10 to 15 years, maybe never, um, but to get onto social media. But what we saw was younger generations consuming traditional media in a way as if it was new. That brought them these local local information, local counts, local things. So traditional media is not dead and digital media comes alongside it. We can be complimentary in it. So we have to look at the tactics and the strength of each tactic. How do we do this correctly? How do we make sure that the strengths of each tactic are used? Television can be used very much so in the live sports and local news. That's where its strengths are. Local radio still has a lot of influence, especially the smaller the market, the more influence it's going to have. Now, I do predict that we will eventually be programmatically bidding traditional platforms, but that's that's down the road. That's not today. That's not, yeah, we're getting there. We're starting to already tease into that and start to, to look at things. Um, we're already starting to do digital out of home programmatically. So there, there are some ways to start doing it, but those are the things that we start to look at. Each tactic is there. How we're buying it is different. So we often are like, are thinking, okay, yeah, no, digital is the only way to go. Where traditional is also a part that needs to be there because it has the strength. How we're buying it is differently. What we're buying is differently. And we have to look at the goals of the campaign back to the individual that we're targeting. You know, one thing, too, when you're talking about programmatic, and I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on, and uh, and that is, uh, let's say that I absolutely want to be on this particular channel or on this particular out-of-home or group of billboards or whatever, and um, uh, at a certain time of day, and yet I have to bid for that space if it's programmatic, if it's digital and programmatic, um, and I have to make sure that I'm bidding enough to be able to make sure I actually get access to those channels. Uh, how do you how do you see that working? How does that how does that all come together? So what I really see in the evolution of media and media buying is going to be the audience first approach. It's actually going to kind of flip things on its head, and that's where we should be heading. Is who's the audience first? It's a starting in that tactic of who's that individual persona as opposed to a broad demographic. So who's the individual per persona that we're targeting? What layers can I get to it? That's where programmatic comes in handy because yes, I may want to buy a day part, but why am I buying that day part? Why am I wanting to buy this block of programming? Because my audience is there. So when I flip that on its head of let's actually make sure that the data is telling us our audience is there and make sure that our data is telling us exactly where we're going and start bidding on the persona and the individual in that realm, as opposed to just bidding on the showtime and the show. 
Because if we're targeting that individual persona and where they are and the impressions that we are, our CPMs are going to go further as opposed to just broad. Uh, gone are the days that you know you're going to have you're looking at GRPs, 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 and that's it. We have to broaden this out and look at it. Okay, how are we targeting in the programmatic space outside of that? And it's starting audience first. What is the audience? Who is the audience? How do I target them? Where are they? Where are the impressions? And frankly. I don't really care where what programming it is, as opposed to I care where the audience is. So that it's a it's a mindset shift that we're having to go through, as opposed to thinking, okay, I'm buying this day part, I'm buying this block, I'm buying this individual as ratings. Um, it is a shift. It is definitely a shift, but we definitely have to think through of who, where's our individual, and where's our target audience first. Yeah. Now a lot of uh, at least uh, you know going back maybe a couple of years, a lot of times uh, folks would think about buying traditional media as kind of like, you know, brand focused. I want to, yep. you know, put my brand messages out there. Whereas then digital and online would be more lower funnel conversion yep. kind of things. Um, and I agree with you that, you know, you want to buy the audience first. How does, how does that brand versus uh, conversion and audience first uh, kind of fit together? So first, you know, you're looking at top of funnel tactics have not changed much, right? So you're still thinking of broad brand, um, but that's where your OTT, again, television, we're still consuming television, we're just consuming it differently. So I need to buy it differently. Um, I can still buy broadcast and linear and still buy those things based off of those pieces. Um, and then I can look programmatically to buy OTT and connected TV. And again, I want to talk real quick, little rabbit hole of quality CPM and not diluted CPMs. Think through before going through a vendor, a TV vendor to buy your programmatic Think through finding a partner that is direct seats on DSPs for your quality of CPM um, in that. That's just a little rabbit hole, a little advice, because everybody now under the sun sells programmatic, but they don't do it in the right way where your CPMs are going to be through the roof, your cost is going to be through the roof, your impressions are going to be low, um, and your quality of impression isn't going to be there. You don't want to be buying bots. You want to be buying mm -hmm true quality impressions. So with that, when you're going through these tactics, your tactics haven't changed. It's just how we're buying it, how we're consuming it, how we're delivering it. So when I'm looking, yes, the audience first approach is there, but I'm also looking at top of funnel. My video is still going to be top of funnel. My OTT connected TV is going to be there where maybe my PPC, where they're putting in my name or they're putting in a very specific need is now my bottom of funnel. Digital and traditional both have a role within the full funnel. And that's that's where we have to think through of neither one is replacing the other. Uh, we're just having a different mix and we're having a full service mix of that. And we have to be open to that. But we may be buying it differently than we bought it in the past. Maybe buying it linearly and buying it broadcast maybe not be, may not be the best option for the, the clients and the consumers that we're trying to reach. You know, one thing too, and uh, I don't know, this might be going off a little bit, but um, if you have, let's say you have a product or a service, it doesn't really matter. And it's, you know, you, you, you launch it to, uh, you know, one, one audience or one segment, however you want to define that. And, um, and if it's, especially if it's kind of a long-term uh, kind of a purchase that's going to last a long time, well, at some point you're going to have saturated that um, how do you then find the secondary audiences, so to speak, to be able to now go after the whatever that secondary audience is? How do you find them to be able to go after them? Well, and our data tells a story. Remember my economics brain and nerdy brain. 
uh, back there. So our data and optimizations tell us a story. So if we start to see um, as we're planning, as we're buying, um, if we're paying attention and optimizing, and again, this is where it goes back to, you don't want to just go through a vendor. You want to find a partner that can help you in programmatic because they're optimizing and watching that data. What's the data telling us as a story? What are things that it's developing into and moving into that you can really push? And that that's a key piece of it is seeing, okay, how, how do I develop that? How do I go down that path? Um, as opposed to just getting lost and cookie cuttered into it. So uh, optimizations data is going to tell us a story to find those additional additional layers. We're going to see patterns. We're going to see audience sharing various things. First party data might start telling us things um, as well of what who's who's starting to come through the door, who's starting to show up storefront, you know, various things that we're starting to see that then can define that secondary audience. Oftentimes, we're not going to have just one audience. We just have to get to the point where we're not targeting them as a mass blanket. We actually, it's okay to break them out as separate audiences and it's okay to think through that. But look through, look at what your long-term goals are. Is this brand recognition? Is it an increase in sales? Is it making sure that you're having uh, very specific outcomes right now and you need, this is you know three months of data collecting and that's what you're going after. What are the goals of any paid buy that you're doing and then work it backwards and then think through that. Um, and what are the audiences that you're going to target with that? So it's okay to have more than one target audience. And I actually advise at times if that if you're a broad type of brand, you should be looking at target different multiple target audiences and actually spending your money more targeted and more strategically. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, now, you also uh, mentioned uh, before about uh, you know generational marketing and generational targeting. Um, it used to be that, you know, trying to reach young male audiences was very, very difficult. And uh, I imagine it still is. Uh, so tell us about how you target each uh, generation and then potentially even then talk about the ones that are hard to reach. Yeah. And I'll, I'll also say, too, tactics have changed. So we as marketers have to adjust and develop how tactics have changed. So in the cookie-less world, um, Facebook is not the targeting tool that it used to be. It was great um, at targeting and finding those individual personas, but now it's more broad geo first-party data you can use to target um, and build lookalike audiences, but then lookalike audiences then in programmatic. So it's finding each tool to be able to target correctly. So audience-wise, now in the programmatic space, we have a lot more information, a lot more data. You'd be shocked at what you can target uh, to the point that it it can be like, really, I can target that? I can get to that nth degree where I know that individual persona that I'm trying to target, um, everything from consumer habits to personal habits to um, how many children are in the household to the income levels, uh, job titles. There's so many things that we can target now. And frankly, all demographics have that database there because- they're on their devices, they're on their computers, they're on their TV, um, their televisions are collecting data on them. This is not that we are in an age where everything's collecting information on us now. So the demographics that are hard to reach are the ones that frankly don't have enough data on them yet, which are as they're younger, they start to collect, you know, we it's harder on that front, but they're also not a target demographic that anybody's really going after or a persona that, that they're going after yet when they're too young. Um, but those are, as you start to get into today's space, data has been collected on you, period. 
like all of us are doing it as marketers, we should just embrace it and use it to our advantage and go in that direction because it's it's happening no matter what. So to say now, like when I started, it was that very specific demographic that you mentioned was hard to reach. And there were certain morning shows on rock stations and certain things that we had to look at to buy and to target. Now I'm able to reach them and whatever they're streaming, wherever they're going and actually go down that path of what are their habits? What are they concerned? What kind of truck do they drive? What kind of Jeep do they drive? What kind of, are they camping? Are they outdoors? Are they a hunter? Are they not like all the above of what we're looking at? Um, and that's, that's where it's fascinating and it's evolved because now we have data on everybody essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, you know, as you were talking, uh, uh, I was thinking as well, a lot of our clients, uh, they'll have multiple media buying agencies for different types of media. And, um, I could, I could see that for a, like a, let's say a midsize, you may only have one, maybe two, but when you're spending, you know, let's say like a Geico, you've got to probably have multiple agencies, one each divide, dividing down to I'm buying just this stuff from buying just that stuff. Um, how do you, how do you coordinate that? How do, how do media buyers really coordinate well so that they're really getting the, the audience when they need to, and why they need to, with the right message they need to. I think it's really important for buyers and for agencies as a whole. And the way I like to say it for us and the culture that we bring into our, our company is we play well in the sandbox. So for the large brands that we work with, um, to the agencies that we work with and partner with, or the agencies that bring us on, we're in an era of collaboration. You, We have to work together and we have to be thinking as we are actually part of the same team. What clients hate more than anything is when we're fighting. And when we're, when we are, you know, backstabbing each other, throwing the other agency under the bus, no client wants that. Nobody wants that. And we're all trying, we're all working for our share and there's enough for us. There's enough for all of us. And that's the piece that we really playing well in the sandbox is really important because clients want that, but clients also want collaboration. They want the experts in certain areas to be there. Um, They may want a broad overview, like an agency like ours that is full service media, right? That does everything from programmatic to traditional to oversee everybody else that's underneath them so that they don't have to quarterback it. Um, But they also want somebody specialized in SEO or they want somebody specialized in various pieces. So this is not uncommon. This is what we're seeing more and more. Um, A lot of space that we're actually seeing though is they'll bring in a full service media and a different creative agency, or they'll bring in more different specializations in that manner. Um, a, A specific mail vendor or a specific mail agency. You know, there's various things that they'll do, but they want us working together. And that's, that's crucial. I think that that's a key piece that it's okay to be in your lane and it's okay to not backstab. And, you know, for me, that's, I've just driven this through our team and this is our culture is we play well in the sandbox. It's okay. It's okay to share your truck. It's okay to share your shovel. It's fine. We're part of the same team. So we are better serving our clients when we have those conversations with each other and we're not challenged by each other, we work with each other, we, we collaborate together, we become together as a team. That provides higher value for the clients. Yeah, and I have to I have to laugh. Uh, I think there are unfortunately a lot of buses out there, and there's a lot of agencies under those buses. <laughs> yes, yes, and everybody, you know, why are we backstabbing each other when we can yeah, be working yeah. together? Yeah, yeah from the big I... to the smallest of the small, it happens. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, uh, you know, and and it definitely, there's no question that more value for the clients will emerge as you work together and really, you know, strategize together, especially if one has an expertise over here and you have an expertise over there to be able to mix and meld those two together is just, it just makes, you know, common sense. And you can show your smarts. You don't, you, your smarts and your value will show for itself. Don't throw someone else under the bus. It's just, I'm a huge believer. And my husband says this all the time. Most of the things that we learned in life of value, we learned in kindergarten, how to get along well with others and how to be kind. Like, those are the things like how to share, be nice, be kind and how to get along. Like, those are the things that we need to do. And as professionals, as agencies, there's no reason why we can't do that. There's no reason why we can't come together for the client's better good. They obviously wanted both of us at the table or multiple of us at the table. That's fine. Let's give them what they want. Let's not make it hard for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned a little bit about how COVID uh, certainly changed uh, yes. the consumer media habits and even some of the availability. I remember one of our clients uh, running around like crazy. They had bought a bunch of sports media yes. and yeah. the sports was turned off. And, uh, and then they were also... Uh, you know, doing a lot of direct mail. It was a B2B2C. So they were doing a ton of direct mail to the office locations of their, of that, that middle B. And, uh, and then all of a sudden they weren't in the offices. So those, all that direct mail had to stop. And uh, so media changed significantly, not only the availability of what you could actually use and made sense to use, but then to your point, there was a lot of change in the consumer consumption of media. So uh, maybe you could elaborate a little further on, on some of the things that you've seen. Well, and the habits of consumers changed drastically, but what another habit that also changed is that our work and our personal lives, we were already kind of in this like work-life balance, but then it just was um, just a forced mash, right? Where you know, I'm on a Zoom call. My kid was on a Zoom call. My other kid was on a Zoom call. My husband was on a Zoom call. I joked at times that I was like, I live in a train station where it was like, I'm at Penn Station and everything is just <clears throat> and moving really fast. That's how it felt, right? And that that changed consumers as well because now our personal lives and our work lives really meshed because our, our work lives didn't actually shut off much and our personal lives didn't shut off. So it was the two came together. And with that, that created new habits. So what does that mean then also, you just mentioned the B2B to B2C, you know, that element of it. Um, we actually start seeing that executives and, can, and the B2B space is that they are personal. They have a personal life too, mm. but they're making business decisions based alongside their personal lives right now because their personal life and their work life are going hand in hand still to today. Even if they're back in the office, they still have more of that personal life crossover. Most, most places are not back in the office fully. Most of them went hybrid where they're in the office three days a week or two days a week or various things. A lot went fully virtual. Where does everybody go, right? So these are the things that we started to see consumer-wise in that, but you have this crossover. So let's look at this you know, CFO that's at home that might be making a new software change update or in thought, you know, of changing the whole corporation outline of whatever it is, how are we targeting at them, targeting them personally? 
not just professionally. So we have to look at those media tactics because that changed significantly. Generationally speaking, like I said, the older generations, they weren't on social media and then overnight they were. That was the only way they could connect to family. That's the only way that they could stay connected in any way, uh, shape or form. They didn't have that feel of security. They didn't have that that there. And they wanted to make sure that they could stay in touch, right? Because you know, older generations were the ones that were higher risk at first and everybody was worried about and stay home. This is where you need to be. But they wanted to talk to their grandkids. They wanted to do things. FaceTime. They wanted, you know, we, they started doing share parties with videos and movies and watching them that way together. There's <laughs> things that change, but then that also affected the younger generation. Let's think of the other end of that. We're also seeing a huge shift in generational influence on each other. Older generations influences on the younger, younger generational influences on the older. And COVID was part of that. Um, but then younger generations looking at traditional platforms, maybe they're consuming it in a digital space, but they were reliving and going back to traditional platforms and getting that local information. I remember my youngest son who during COVID was between, you know, around 10 to 12. And I remember that my oldest son could drive and was driving him someplace. And we were driving down the street one day and he was like, turn on the station. And I was like, wait, what? You want me to turn on the radio? Like, what is this? You don't want me to stream something? And it's the same station that my husband and I grew up listening to. And I was like, why, why do you want to? He's like, mom, they're doing this contest right now. It's the same contest that they ran, you know, umpteen decades ago for me. But to them, it was a new medium. It was a new platform because they, they, created a new habit then they create they were getting and seeking information on a local level as a younger generation but they were consuming it as if it was new like this is new did you know that they'll tell us this, this information where us older generations knew that right so and i'm i'm middle of the road right right in that millennial gen xer space and we also consumed media we over consumed uh, we were we are sandwich generation where we're taking care of parents and we're taking care of children and we have our professional lives to take care of. And we were over consuming because we didn't know what to do. We needed to make sure our parents were safe. We need to make sure our children were safe. We needed to make sure everybody was okay. That was survival mode. And we honestly, frankly, I think we see the most burnout in, right now in this middle generation, um, older millennials, Gen Xers, uh, some baby boomers in there as well in the younger and the younger phase of it. But that's what we see. And we that was us over consuming and our habits have not changed. In that, so it's very fascinating everything that took place during COVID and how that evolved. It it evolved quickly. Think about sociologically, a two year evolution that took place is crazy. Like what we what we did in two years is absolutely would not have happened for decades. Yeah, it really is amazing. Um, I think one of the other things that changed, uh, uh, and, and well, maybe it wasn't a change, but uh, it was throughout COVID in the, the year or two years, it was the acceleration of that change. Yes. And I think we were already on our way to we were where we be are there. today. Yep. It's just that it went, it, it just skyrocketed. Yep. And uh, I think with the one big thing that, that I've noticed, and I think that that really affects the, uh, the, the, the distinction between when does your, your business day end and when does your personal day end uh, start, is when uh, you're getting texts, business texts on your phone, 
and um and 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 some of them are advertising and yeah. and you know it's kind of like man how do i turn this off i don't right. mind necessarily as as a marketer i like to see what goes on but right. i don't mind necessarily getting them but i just don't want to get them that time of day right exactly and those are the things that as brands and as marketers we have to think through we need to reach our audience at the right time with the right tactic with the right message uh, those are the things that are really important. And it's, and it's, you know, when we're talking in the B2B space, it's almost passively reaching them as opposed to aggressively reaching them in their personal mm. space. So it's on connected TV, it's on streaming audio, it's on podcasts. That's what we're looking at. Uh, another huge evolution that took place during COVID with podcast podcast and the listenership just went through the roof mm -hmm. uh, that so there are especially in those middle generations the middle generations were really looking for an escape and so that's when streaming numbers went up that's when everything went up in the entertainment side they actually were over consuming the news probably in the morning um and in maybe at the evening just to check in but in the middle there if they weren't working they were trying to escape they were trying to do anything they possibly could to just stop thinking about it and uh, the stress levels and think, think about it. We really have a whole society that just went through a traumatic experience. And so that has changed how we, how we do everything, but you're spot on. We were already headed down this path. It would, it just accelerated. And it was an evolution that took place over a very short period of time that probably would have taken another decade or two. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would agree with the decade or two, but definitely, uh, uh, you know, maybe at least a couple of years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. think about it. I don't know that we would have had the younger generations truly consuming the traditional platforms in the same yeah. way that they did if they yeah. weren't getting that information. Also, think about our traditionalists, you know, 80 plus, would they have really ever gotten on Twitter or would they have ever gotten on Facebook? We don't know. We really don't know. But we saw those numbers happen, you know, that 70 plus where it was like overnight, mm -hmm. literally was overnight. So, you know, we don't know in their lifetime what that would happen. We were seeing it happen. I don't think it would have happened in the numbers that it happened. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you mentioned, you know, so consumer media behavior changed and, uh, and, and certainly across all generations in different ways. Um, so what do you see then potentially, uh, assuming we don't have another COVID, what do you see as the, the next big change or the next trend that we're now starting to really uh, come that's coming to fore uh, uh, in terms of media consumption behavior? Media consumption behavior wise, I still see a lot of digital platforms being consumed or traditional platforms being consumed, traditional tactics being consumed in a digital way. That will continue to head down that path. Media buying wise evolution, I genuinely believe that we'll be in a tactic world of programmatic bidding in our traditional sense. That's gonna happen. Uh, it's already starting to happen. So we're gonna start seeing this more and more. Uh, this audience first approach is gonna be there. It's gonna make it even harder and more uh, confusing for brands directly, frankly, uh, because you're gonna have everybody under the sun that wants to have a piece of, pie, of the pie. And there are a lot of options and a lot of things to do where in reality, find that quality partner, find that quality partner that can help you through the process of it. Because it, and it, it's not going to cost you as much as you think it's going to cost you. I promise you finding that quality partner is worth the investment uh, and long-term strategy of not wasting your dollars and not wasting where you want to go. 
But that's, that's the future. That's where it's headed, that we are genuinely going to push into a programmatic bidding space for all tactics. Um, and that's where it's going, whether we like it or not. Uh, and frankly, I think as marketers, it's good. Uh, it's a good thing for us to be able to think in the audience first approach. Uh, but yeah, it is an evolution for sure. I don't see the, the thing that's so fascinating with the consumer side is that, like I said, we were already high in media consumption and we just went so high and these habits are there and developed. I don't see that changing much. Um, and I don't see that decreasing. I see things going to that other level. But what I also see too, tactic wise, we saw a return of mail. We saw a return of mm -hmm. other that we weren't thinking. Um, it's making sure that those that across the board that we are doing everything we can to reach those audiences and uh, audiences are are going to be further and further spread as we as we evolve and as we go down this path. Their their attention is going to be more span across other things, TikTok, Instagram, all the above, right? So we're gonna we're we are not going to be under consumers. We're going to just continue down that path of overconsumption. So uh, uh, one of the big things that's looming in front of us at the end of the year is the, uh, I don't know if you'd call it the loss of cookies, but um, certainly the degradation of cookies. Uh, what do you see the impact of that on, on media buying and on media? It's not going to necessarily affect media consumption, although I have a question for you on that, uh, but media buying and then also how the programmatic space is going to either change or, or not. So in the cookie list world, there are going to be some adjustments for sure. Um, programmatic is still going to be a best targeting tactic way to go. Uh, that bidding process is going to be a little bit better because I still think that there's going to be enough data sets of opting in that we're going to start seeing that we can do things and adapt to. However, I tell brands all the time, we need to be collecting our first party data. Mm. We start collecting this first party data. If we're not doing it already, we should be. Um, and if we are doing it, what are we doing with it? I can't tell you how many times we're brought in with big brands. And they're like, yeah, we have all this first party data, but we're not doing anything with it. And it's like, that's gold. You know, it's the, you know, the Seinfeld line, it's gold, Jerry. It really is. Cause it's just like, that is something that is so valuable. And so bringing that in because we can build and make look like audiences, both in social, but then also in programmatic, and that's going to make a difference. Um, and that will help as well. So there's going to be ways to do it. I promise you, uh, we will always find a way to evolve and change and make things work. Uh, and those of us that have been around for a while know that we've seen our changes, we've seen our shifts, we've seen things happen, and we always adapt and we always find new ways to do things and we always find new ways to make it work. But start collecting that data, um, find partners that can help you collect the data, uh, start looking in that manner as well, and then start using that in your, in your buys and in your strategies. Yeah, one thing uh, on that is... Um it seems like there's certain media platforms that uh, are really making uh, a lot of money and, and, and providing a good service. I don't mean that they're not uh, right. doing it right, but providing a really good service because they're, because they have the access to cookies and um, yeah, to the third party cookies. And um, uh, if those go away, uh, those platforms could potentially be uh significantly affected does that mean then that the cost of media to be able to get to where you were is going to be significantly higher or what do you think that's going to do to you know on the media on the media buying and the media cost side media is always based on a demand right so you, you 
you know, it used to be our rates would go up if there was low inventory. Now it's your CPMs go up when there's low inventory. So it's based on inventory and it always will be. Um, I, I genuinely believe that. I think that they're, again, it's it's why you're finding the right partners to work with in that, that have access to data sets, that have access to information. Um, you're going to start seeing more and more uh, data groups really push of why their data is different, why, you know, that's, it's actually as the buying side, if you don't have a partner working with you specifically in buying, you're going to want it because it's going it's not going to get any easier. It's going to get more confusing. Right now, we have so many options, hundreds of options. Mm data on um, DSPs, on various things, and you know, just being able to bid, but then also what data am I bidding on and how am I matching that and all these various pieces. And that, be, that will become very confusing. So finding the expertise partner to do that is going to help you. Um, and don't be afraid of that. Like really, it's okay to own what you're really good at, finding that partner to, to end down that path, because it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. Um, just And it's going to get more confusing. Where do I go? What data sets do I use? What do I not use? Where do I, you know, how do I implement this? Where in reality, you kind of want somebody who has their grasp on all of it that can kind of bring that in for you. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, with that, then uh, what is, uh, what is the new normal? What's, uh, what is really going to be, what is it going to be like in 2024? I genuinely believe that we are going to see more collaborations with agencies uh, with each other because media is becoming so specialized. We're already seeing it, uh, but that is the new normal where you're going to see collaborations and we need to embrace it as marketers and we need to go forward with it and be okay with it. Uh, and I genuinely think too, that we have to get into this approach of persona first, where are they collecting our own data on them? And actually that data telling us a story of how we're going to target build those lookalike audiences. So these are all things as we're looking in the future, we have to evolve with where our consumers are evolving to, but we also have to evolve to where our clients are and to where brands are going and to where everybody is going. So it's an evolution as across the whole of for marketers as a whole, let's look at, you know, where our consumers are evolving, but we also have to look at where our clients are evolving and where people are evolving. Yeah. Before we uh, got, I agree with that. Uh, and before we got started, we were talking a little bit about AI. One yeah. of the, one of the things that's kind of uh, rattling around is uh, if you have AI generated content and it could be good content, yeah. I, I think at some point it is going to be good. And especially if there's some human intervention, the content is actually going to be good. And uh, but what that means is you have this enormous or this possibility, uh, and, and I think it's a, a probability that you're going to have a proliferation of really good content. And um, how, how is a, a consumer, how are we going to, we, you know, fend our way through all of that content and, uh, and then be able to, you know, get to the content that we want, but and then as an advertiser, be able to make sure that we're able to get those eyeballs even though those eyeballs are now so diversified and so across everything, uh, you know, how, how does that, how do you think that might uh, evolve? So I think that there's, there's so many things in that and AI is going to evolve. You know, like I said, the AI has been around for a while. We need to embrace it and use it as a tool, but we do, it needs to be human driven still. Um, and I, I don't think that that changes much, right? So if you, put into chat GPT for to build a media plan. It doesn't understand the market. It doesn't understand what's going on. Like you're going to read it and you're going to find it and go, Oh, that doesn't know what it's doing. It actually doesn't understand it. Right. 
But if you're looking at various things of how to use that tool, and as you're, it, like you said, the consumer side is going to change on the content that's being created and things that are going into it. Um, it's, it, but the society and consumers are going to also evolve with this, meaning they're going to adapt in a different way. We're going to see how they're going to adapt. Then we are going to adapt. And that's when we're, when we're good marketers, that's what we're starting. That's what we are watching for is how are the consumers adapting and evolving? How are the consumers changing? How are they doing what in different demographics, different generations, each generation is going to consume it differently. And that's, that's the other piece. And I'll give you an example of, I, I'm a big believer of telling our kids now, you know what, try chat GPT, but this is how you use it. Don't let it write a paper for you. Use it as a tool to get resources, to get things there. Those are things that you want to, that you want to keep in mind, not down the road, not scare, you know, not scaring them now, because guess what? They're going to want to use it for writing papers if we scare them about it now, right? Because we're going to tell them it's an awful thing. Do not use that tool. Because when I entered college, I remember saying, and professor saying, you are not allowed to use the internet. You need to go to the library. Okay. Now in today's world, totally different. Remember, remember the days of, you know, don't use, I was talking to somebody much younger than me. And he goes, I remember being told spell check was cheating. Now, if you come out of teacher's mouths, did you use spell check? So these are the things that are AI that have been around for a long time, yeah. things that have been around that <laughs> we, we are going to adapt to and evolve to, just like we did to the internet, just like we've done to other tools. Consumers are going to change. So as marketers, we're going to have to watch that. And we're going to have to see how they change, but they're going to adapt and adopt it. And generationally, they're going to adapt and adopt it differently. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, I think... Um... I think the education system for the younger kids and and is it's not necessarily don't use it. It's how right. can you use it to your absolute advantage? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, you know if you can if it can help to teach kids to write better, faster. If it can you know do whatever right. it is, yeah. do math better, yeah. faster. Yeah. You can put into it, you know, I have to write a paper on this topic. What's a different angle that I can write it on? And it can give you subjects. It can give you things to do. Like we can use it as a search tool. Um, we it's let's adopt it and teach it correctly of how to be consumed. And I'm a big believer as an employer, do the same thing with your employees and teach guys. We keep the human and we human drive AI. That's the way it needs to yeah. be. We're putting yeah. the soul back into AI and that's, that's what has to happen. And we don't need to be scared. We just need to teach how, how to use it properly. Yeah, I agree with that. So uh, one last question. Uh, so what advice would you give a, an up and coming marketer? Oh, so up and coming marketers, it's an exciting time to be a marketer. It's an exciting time to understand branding and understand media, understand as a whole. So I, I am a big researcher, so I believe and truly pick up some books, pick up some old books from back in the day, learn from them because you're going to look at it and go, huh, that's interesting. That's fascinating. That's going to trigger new thoughts for you because no, no new ideas under the sun, right? Well, and I'm going to have to interrupt you on that one. Yeah. If you're going to pick up a book, you got to pick up my yes, book. <laughs> yes. And I'm a big believer in that. Overread, read everything under the sun, read everything about marketing. Because if you're a young marketer, overconsume that information. Mm. If you are in that now, go back and study old things to new things. Study where it is across the board. What does marketing mean for today? But what did marketing mean 40 years ago? 
because there's some things 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago that we can learn from for today. And so don't be scared of what was in the past, learn from the past and start adopting it for today, but learn, be curious. So that's the other piece. That's my biggest piece of advice is be curious. And just when you mm -hmm. think you're curious enough, ask another question, keep digging in and find that curiosity and go for it. But I, that's, that's a big culture thing for us is to be curious and to go after the curiosity and dig in just a little bit deeper. But yeah, that's that I, to be young in this phase and to go be brand new into marketing is uh, it's an exciting time for sure. Yeah, it really is. And, and I think even underlying what you're talking about is, uh, you know, this be curious. I think the, the, maybe just one more thing on that, be curious for the rest of your life. Yes, because you have to be constantly learning. You have yes. to be constantly learning. My my father, who is a lifelong educator, and he always tells me to this day, he always tells me when you stop learning, you die. And yeah. it's like, it sounds morbid. It sounds horrible. But as I've gotten older, man, that sinks in. Because if you stop learning, and if you stop being curious and you stop thinking about things, we you're not evolving anymore. You're not growing anymore. You're not becoming mm better than you were yesterday. So constantly try to learn something new every day. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, uh, um, you know, and even for a young marketer, you know, when I would go to a conference or whatever, and I'd be running around, I'd want to make sure that I came back with like one or two good nuggets of yes. something that was really valuable. And yeah. even though you might not have liked a lot of things, what is the one or two things that you could get out of that that you could actually apply? And for young marketers as well is find that I was called a seasoned veteran a few weeks ago, a month ago uh, at, a, at a conference. And I was, I laughed so hard. I was like, okay, I'm officially, I'm officially at that point. But as a young marketer, find those seasoned veterans, find those that you can reach out to pick their brains. And there's many of us that love that. Like we want to teach, we want to help, yeah. we yeah. want to grow people. So that's the, find that space as well. Be confident in who you are, uh, but find a few people that you can have mentor you. Mentors are amazing. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I don't like about that seasoned veteran is like, <laughs> I don't think I want to see myself slathered up in barbecue sauce. <laughs> was like salt and pepper <laughs> like what thing are we using i mean i'm italian so i thought garlic right away <laughs> that's well well we, we got to cut this off <laughs> exactly. Exactly. marianne thank you so much it was really good and uh so great to have you participate today so where can people uh go to learn more about you yeah, absolutely. If you want to reach out and I always offer for anybody who hears me on a podcast uh, for a conversation or any review of your media, uh, we're happy to help. Uh, just give us, uh, just go on our website. You can go to mosaic.agency forward slash contact. And that goes directly to my email. Uh, we'll give a, a free review of everything in that first phone call and just kind of talk through where you are. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter at Media Maps or on LinkedIn, Marianne Pruitt. I'm happy to have a conversation at any point and talk about media. I'm happy to help. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So that is mosaic.agency slash contact. Correct. And uh, fantastic. Marianne, thank you so much. And uh, for those in the audience, please stay tuned for other videos in this series on the backstory of marketing. And please visit marketingmachine.prorelevant to download the first chapter of my book and other valuable excerpts. And also, if you like this episode, please uh, rate it with five stars. Marianne, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Guy. Absolutely. Thank you.